0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome once again. So glad you're here with us. My name is Trace. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, one of the pastors here. And yeah, I I just want to come into agreement with my brother, Mike, what he said this this morning in terms of our, our appreciation for what the Lord has done in sustaining us through this time. Obviously, we look a lot different, and we have looked a lot different any, any given month over the last 11 months, uh, you look around and uh, it's a different group of people. Oftentimes, it's a different location. But the presence of the Lord is the constant, and we continue to see his faithfulness again and again. And God is good. Amen? Amen. All right. Good that you're in agreement with that. So, if you uh, are with us and you've been with us, you know we're in John. We're working through the gospel uh, according to John, and we're going to be in chapter three. So, you can kind of flip over there. Um, John chapter 3 is where we'll be out of this morning, but part of our elders meeting yesterday was kind of looking at our order of service and and trying to reintegrate some things perhaps that we have seen uh, through necessity kind of be set on the back burner. And one of the things that we're bringing back into the service starting today is our Q&A. So um, if you have questions about what you hear during the message or what you don't hear, (laughs) Um, please feel free to text the number that is in the digital bulletin. Uh, It will go to one of the elders and they will share it with us and then we will come up here at the end of the service and and make an attempt to at least give you some some, uh, biblical information uh, or point you in the right direction of of finding the right answers for those questions. So please, um, by all means, participate with us in that way if you would. This this morning, the... the text that we're going to look at is, um, like I said, John 3 uh, in verse 22 is where it starts. And I'm going to read it here as I'm flipping there myself. And the title of the sermon, um, basically, uh, leveraging all we have for the, for the kingdom. Leveraging all that we have for the kingdom. Or going all in for the kingdom would be another way of saying that. So I want you to keep that in mind as we read through the text. And hopefully you've kind of caught on at this point that... We have a strong desire to see everybody reading the word for themselves and then feeling a move by the Lord in how to respond to the message that you read. So it's not just about reading, going through the motions, but there should be some sort of response to this. And and I gave you a little bit of a hint in, in the title of the message. That's why I gave it up front. So I want you to keep that in mind as we read. You can read with me as I read. Uh, we're looking at John 3. 22 to the end of the chapter. This is what it says. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Selim, because the water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, He who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness. Look, he's baptizing, and all are going to him. John answered, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom who stands and and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete." He must increase, but I must decrease. Verse 31. He who comes from above is above all. He is of the earth, belongs to the earth, and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to, that, to what he has been seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Well, Lord, we we do want to thank you again for your word. God, my prayer this morning is that we we sense the moving of the Spirit in, in, in terms of action. God, your word tells us in James that we ought to be doers of the word and not hearers only. There's so much in your word that tells us that there is, there's action revolved. Faith is is walking it out in action. It's not a, a stagnant or a, or a, an observation kind of s- stance before you, Lord, a posture of, of, of doing. Hands to the plow, running the race, all of these things, Lord. Um, and your word gives us the direction, gives us the hope and the strength and the courage So help us to glean from that, Lord God. Would you remove every distraction from us now prepare our hearts to receive that word with gladness and joy. God, we praise you in this place. And we thank you and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so yeah, just one more reminder. Q&A, numbers in the bulletin. If you don't have the digital bulletin, the number is 858-210-9041. I had wrote it down. I knew it was 858. That was about as far as I could get. Okay. So here we have the closing passage of chapter 3. It's going to give us one final testimony of John the Baptist about who Jesus is, the Messiah sent by God. Now, if you have read through the other gospel accounts, you may notice that what we're reading today is not in any of the other gospel accounts. In fact, most of the other gospel accounts pick up After John the Baptist is 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 imprisoned or or gone off the scene, so John is the only one that includes this very in-depth kind of survey of John. So he's baptizing nearby. Jesus is also baptizing, and some of John's disciples they seem a little bit annoyed. Did you kind of pick up on that? Like, Lord or uh, John, we're, we're baptizing and. This guy over there, he's baptizing too. Like, what's up with that? Now everybody's going over there. They, they seem to be a little bit annoyed that he's becoming more popular and people are being attracted by him. Then we read about this lively discussion between John's followers and this certain Jew. Now, there's no way to be certain of this, but as I was reading, some of the scholars think that this certain Jew that was causing some problems was Nicodemus from the previous section. If you guys remember, Nicodemus kind of questioning what Jesus was doing. Again, no way to prove that, but there was an uproar. Regardless, the disciples are taking issue with what's going on. And John's then led to make some final comments in in this gospel account. After this, we won't hear from John the Baptist anymore. First, he says, listen, my friends, you cannot receive anything unless it's given from where? From above, from heaven, right? In other words, the fact that we're even baptizing people right now and doing this is only because God himself set John apart for this purpose, to bear witness to Jesus as the Messiah. So his, his followers had no room to complain whatsoever. But we're really good at only seeing part of the picture and complaining, aren't we? I'll take it by your silence that you agree with me. I know that we can fall victim to that. In fact, I can think of a number of times personally where I have left God out of the picture and then whined about how things were going. Right? I think the biggest example for me personally is the last 11 months. We're talking about all the great things that God has done, but I got to tell you, there are a lot of times over the last year that I looked around and thought, what are we even doing? As a church, like I'm I'm trying to be real with you, in my all my time in ministry, I have never once thought about walking away from the ministry until this last year. Like I'm serious, I'm trying to be real with you guys. It was a very, very difficult season. In those difficult moments, I was only focusing on the negative. I complained without so much as acknowledging all that god was doing in the midst of all of it you see there's a big difference between not grumbling and thanking god for the work he's been doing all around especially during challenging and difficult moments so my encouragement to you even as we dive in a little bit further is be willing to look and see where god is at work in the most difficult and challenging circumstances Don't leave him out of the picture and then complain about what's going on. Because that's our tendency, if we're being honest with ourselves. That's our tendency. And that's a dangerous place to be. It's a lonely place to be. It's a sad place to be. It doesn't mean if you're focused on God God all the time that everything is going to be rainbows and butterflies. Like, that's not what I'm telling you. But your position, your posture, your heart before the Lord is going to sustain you through it all. Okay? Okay. So John, then, being very clear in his role, he knew what needed to be done. And he uses this really great illustration, the imagery that he uses we might understand today as uh, the role of the best man and the groom scenario. We can relate to that, I think. Um, The best man has some very specific roles and responsibilities in in a wedding and in the preparations of the ceremony itself. Let me ask you, any of those responsibilities of the best man uh, include taking the bride for himself? No, okay, just making sure we're on the same page. Uh, Hogging the spotlight. That's a best man obligation, right? For some, it may seem that way, but no, it's not. The role is supportive in, in nature. The best man stands by the side of the groom, likely his best friend, rejoicing with him as he takes his bride and the two become one flesh. Has anyone ever been a best man in a wedding ceremony? Maid of honor, kind of similar thing, right? How encouraging and satisfying is it to to be right there, by their side, and witnessing this thing take place? In the case of a best man, giving the ring over and and seeing that ring go on the hand of the bride and entering the marriage, it's a wonderful privilege. So part of John's point in his example is to play your part and then find satisfaction in the role that you've been given to play. Now, each of us has a unique part to play in seeing God's will accomplished in our lives and around us. And, and each one of us should prayerfully consider what that role is. You are uniquely gifted, and each one of us has a specific role in the kingdom of God. And as we carry out that responsibility, regardless of what it may look like, be satisfied. Be satisfied in knowing that you're a part of the process to bring glory to God because it's pleasing to God. Know your role and be satisfied in that. Now, all of us as Christians, we share certain aspects of the Great Commission, do we not? Yeah, there's broad things that, that kind of overlap all of us. That's clear. But there's something else that I think we need to not overlook. You see, John the Baptist was willing to do whatever it took to ensure that he was playing his own part, and making sure those around him were not being sidetracked by secondary issues, right? All of his followers coming up to him and go, John, look what's going on over there. Why is this happening? Why, Why is he doing that? John knew his role, and it's like, hey, come here, let me tell you something. Don't worry what's going on over there. This is our role. This is our purpose. This is what we're doing And we're going to do it with gladness and joy in our heart, because we know that this is what we've been called to do. So what John does is he puts everything on the line. Everything. His reputation, his relationships, because those disciples would have been like, fine, we're out of here, we're leaving, forget you. Even his very life he puts on the line, which we know, how did did John end up leaving this earth? Without Without a head, yes, thank you for... For that imagery. Yeah, that's absolutely right. He was beheaded. So here's the takeaway each one of us must be willing to leverage all that we have for the kingdom of God. If you hear nothing else today, hear that. And I say that we must be willing because we know throughout scripture sometimes all it takes is a willing heart, a posture of readiness. And then God's like, okay, cool. I just wanted to make sure that you were willing to do that. And it doesn't have you to go through the whole process. Other times, you have to be willing and actually go forth with it. So I just want to spend just a few minutes looking at what this is in our lives, because I think it's super important. First of all, <clears throat> what does it take to leverage something? Well, first, got to have it, <laughs> right? You can't leverage something that's not yours. you got to steward it. You got to take care of it. You got to you got to keep it ready for the moment that it is going to be put into use in advancing of God's kingdom. So all right, audience participation time. What are some examples of things that we can leverage for God's kingdom? Time. time. Money. Money. Talent. Talent. <laughs> Discipleship. What else? Ourselves. Our, ourselves. Yeah, our lives. Reputation. Our reputation. Exactly. There are times where we have all encountered probably that. So did John the Baptist use any of these things to leverage for the kingdom of God? Sure he did. Yeah. His time. <laughs> I mean, he, he lived out in the wilderness. He gave, he gave himself to this whole thing. Reputation. People thought he was crazy. Right? Who's that dude out in the wilderness with a big old beard eating locusts and honey? And it's like, that's not the reputation probably <laughs> people are, are, are aiming for achieving. Like, I don't want to be like that guy. Through the worldly lens, of course. <clears throat> I think maybe one of the things that we overlook that, that John sacrificed and leveraged the most was his own comfort. How fun was it, do you think, to live out in the wilderness and eat those things and, and just kind of, it seems like a little bit of a miserable existence in terms of just comfort. So they got me thinking, uh, during our life group this last week, we've been going through reading stories and, and giving our own I will statements. Uh, what are we going to do in response to this passage? And this last week, it was the prodigal son. Right? We, we know that the younger son takes the inheritance, squanders it, and then as he's out in the pigs, kind of just being miserable, he comes to this moment of, of repentance and going, man, I have sinned against my father and I've sinned against God. And so that got me thinking, what in my heart have I not fully surrendered to God? What in my heart, it, maybe there's some sin there <laughs> that I haven't repented of. And if you've ever prayed that prayer, it's a little bit scary, Lord. Show me the sin in my life, the things that I don't know about. What am I holding back? Like, just pull those curtains back of the heart and just show me. But I was like, all right, Lord, that's what I'm feeling led to do. I'm going to go for it. And here's what I heard clearly from the Lord later that week. You have been unwilling to be uncomfortable for my sake. Clearly heard the Lord tell me that. You, Trace, have been unwilling to be uncomfortable for my sake. In other words, I was bowing down to the God of comfort. If you want to look at it the other way, bowing down to the God of comfort, as opposed to looking for ways to grow outside of my comfort zone. Can anybody relate to that idea? A couple of us, maybe two, three, four, all of us. Then in a different group of people later that week, I was challenged again to engage three people during the week on the street, attempt to pray with them, tell them a Bible story, and then ask them if they'd be willing to follow up with me to learn how to teach others to do the same thing. I talk about being outside of my comfort zone. Yes, I'm a pastor. I get that. This should be something that I do. But I'm introverted, all right? I don't just, like, thrive on going out into the park and engaging people with anything, let alone talking to them about teaching them how to read the Bible. Like, that, that just seems weird right, to, to most people, right? So I prayed, like I should have, <laughs> prayed for boldness, like Lord, help me this because I can't do it on my own. Even in the parking lot, sitting in my car, Lord, give me the boldness, give me the desire to do this. And so I opened the door, I'm walking around the park, spending a lot of time looking at people and sort of making excuses in my mind. Oh, now they're busy, oh, they're playing Frisbee, I don't wanna go over there, they're talking with somebody. And it's like, every person I look at, there's an excuse in my mind, like nope, I don't wanna interrupt them. Finally. I'm walking up the hill, there's an older lady coming down with her dogs, and I'm like, hi. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm in my community here, and i seeing if anybody needs prayer, and I wanted to know if, if there's anything that I could pray for you about. And she was super gracious. She's like, uh, yeah, we could pray for our nation, because I think we need a lot of help right now. I was like, yes, that's wonderful. Can I pray for you right now? She's like, nope, I got to go. I was like, cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll be praying for you. Like, we'll, we'll, uh, yeah, I will definitely um, keep you in my prayers. And off she went. And that, that was fine. That was the, the sort of the breaking the ice sort of moment. And I was like, okay, I can do this, Lord. You've, you've got me. More time goes by, and as I'm looking at, it, I'm like, okay, my time is running out. So I start heading back toward my car. And, and like two spots over from my car, there's this white van, and a dude sitting in a chair right outside his van. I'm like, okay, I'm going for it. I walk up to him, say a little more confident this time, like, hey, how you doing man? My name is Trace. Um I'm in our community this morning, asking people if they need prayer, and I'd love to pray for you. Is there any way that I can pray for you? And he's like, Yes. Yes. In fact, I need prayer right now because my children have disowned me. And I want desperately to be back in community with my children. I don't even know my grandchildren, and that's all I want is to be in their lives. And he goes on to share this incredible story how when he was younger, he was a missionary in South America. Like he's lived his life with the Lord and then he got involved in drugs. And then the relationship started breaking apart. And his life got turned upside down. And then then recently, he's felt the Lord moving in his heart to draw him back in. And said, okay, I can definitely pray for that. But before I pray for you, do you mind if I tell you a story from the Bible? He said, please, please do And so I shared with him the story of the 10 lepers, how 10 got healed and only one came back to praise God and give thanks for him. I said, that could be you. You could be the one that's coming back and giving thanks to him. And and so we prayed together. And then I asked him, do you have any interest in learning how to look at the Bible and ask questions and, and invite people in your circle to help them be exposed to the word of God? And he said, yeah, I do. And so we have. Tomorrow on 10 a.m. back in the park, So I'm going to teach him how to read the Bible for himself. And here's me going, I don't want to do this. I can't do this. Lord, I'm I'm awkward like around people when it comes to these kind of things. No, it's all lies. I get it. But I'm trying to be transparent with you guys and show you that if we are willing to leverage everything for God's kingdom, he will show up every time. So I'll just ask you then, at this point, Are you willing to leverage everything for the kingdom of God? Or maybe a better question, a more realistic question is, what are you unwilling to leverage for God's kingdom? Because I think that's going to reveal more of the heart there. God is at work when we are most willing to be obedient in his kingdom. So pray for me, if you would, as I meet with this, this gentleman and pray for his family, his name's Antonio, um, that he could use what we're going to go through tomorrow and, and engage with his family and his loved ones. And we'll see what God does in that. So again, a takeaway and a question to consider before the Lord this week is, What am I? is there anything in my life that I'm unwilling to leverage? And this is actually verse 30 in action. If we go back to the text, we must increase... I'm sorry, we must decrease as He increases. It's not that we cease to become who we are. God's created us with personality and and a a person type, and and we should be that person. But as we decrease and He increases, people see more of Him in us. The light shines brighter, the image that we're reflecting becomes more clear. Because if I'm honest, I don't want people to see my reflection, (laughs) I know my heart. I want them to see the reflection of Christ. I want them to see the brightness of the light that shines through him. So why do we need to do this, my brothers and sisters? Well, because the world rejects the truth about Jesus. And they gloss over the reality that they are under, right now, under rightful judgment and facing eternal punishment. That's what verses 31 through 36 summarize for us tells us Jesus has been sent from heaven. He's unique among all of humanity. He comes from heaven. He is above all. And that he, Jesus, bears witness to what he has seen and heard. What do you think Jesus in heaven has borne witness to? Man, everything. From the foundations of the world, the creation of the universe. He proclaims the goodness of God. And he is laying out his plan for drawing people to himself and saving all of humanity. But verse 32 is a very harsh reality. No one, it says, nobody receives his testimony. Now that's what we call hyperbole, right? It's an exaggeration to make a point. It's not that nobody is receiving this testimony, but the number who believe in the Son of God are few. But those who do, John tells us the seal of God is placed upon them, and the goodness of God is made known. And then right in the middle of all this is the picture of the Trinity working together to, people see, people, to peep, see people come to faith in Jesus. Do you see that in verse 34? For for he whom God sent, that's Jesus, he, God the Father, sent Jesus, utters the words of God, forgives the Spirit without measure. So we see all three members of the Trinity working together to see men and women come to faith and be saved. Verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. So there's, there's this idea of John the Baptist being this sort of herald of righteousness. This uh, uh, precursor to Jesus. Uh, sort of a, a big neon sign pointing in this direction. Everybody look over here. This is the Messiah. This is the one in whom there is eternal life. And we should take our cue from that, going, you know what? We have the same obligation, the same responsibility. And that whoever would believe in the Son of God has eternal life. Now, think real quick, back out of this whole text this morning. What is the sermon series title that we're in right now? The whole overarching series. One word. What is it? Believe. 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 That's the whole point of this gospel. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that may know they have eternal life. This is the testimony that we see happening. So, I want us to consider everything that we've talked about so far and read Romans 10, 13 through 17. I'm going to read it for you. You can turn there if you want. Romans 10, 13 through 17. This is what it says. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yes, that's exactly what we just talked about from John. 14. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? So the rest of verse 36, back in John 3, says, Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So I think it should be quite clear at this point why we must be willing to leverage everything for God's kingdom. Because life and death are on the line. And in a broad sense, we all know that. I don't think I'm telling you anything you don't know. Eternal life, eternal separation from God is on the line. So my prayer this morning is that each of us would take inventory, take stock of our lives and seek the Lord in how we should bring and what we should bring to bear for his glory. Because as we read in Romans, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. But how are they going to hear it if you don't go? That's, that's essentially what he's saying. If you don't go out and share it with them and tell them the truth of the gospel, how are they going to know it? That's the Great Commission. That's Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go! Therefore, make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Now, listen, I'm not going to tell you what your I will statement should be this week, but I feel that every one of us should examine our lives, our relationships, our resources, our giftings, our reputation, and our comfort in order to see how we might use those things for God's glory. And now we can take our cue from John the Baptist to know our role in this life. It may not be fancy, flashy, exciting. In the eyes of the world, but if you know your role and you are willing to lay it down for Him, you're bringing max glory to Him. Some of you are familiar with the the kind of the mantra of John Piper that talks about what what uh, what it looks like to be glorifying God? It says God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. Are you satisfied in your God? Do you know him intimately? And are you willing to leverage it all for the kingdom of God? That's that's my prayer this morning, church, As we conclude. I'd love to hear more testimonies about people that leverage things for God's kingdom that they never thought they'd be able to do. And I'd like to celebrate that with you, so I'm just kind of given an open opportunity um, to see if there are you that have done that, or that are going to Turn a corner and turn a page here in the next couple of weeks. So if you if you know that you're being led in a direction to kind of lay something down for God and you you do so, even if you do it initially begrudgingly or uh, with fear in your heart, but but you see God respond, we would love to celebrate that with you. So again, consider that um, as something that we're going to do. One last thing before I close is kind of a in a similar vein, but but uh, in in one month on march 14th we're gonna do a a covid one year and not an anniversary i'm not even talking about anything celebratory in terms of yeah we've been at this thing for a year rather covid one year later what has god done in our midst so if you have a testimony of something that god has done over the last year that only happened because of the circumstances surrounding covid we want to celebrate that as well because God has been at work. We've, we've already shared that. From a church standpoint, we see it. But we'd love to get some more personal testimonies and stories. So if you would, prayerfully consider that's in a month. I'll give you a month to think about that one. So join me in prayer as we close this morning, this portion of our service. Father, we are just so incredibly grateful for the way in which you are faithful. Lord, your word tells us that even when we are not faithful, you remain faithful. Father, we know that all that we have, as John says, is from heaven. There's nothing that we don't have that you have not given us. So in essence, Lord, we're just being good stewards. We're being caretakers of all the great things that you've given us. But I know in my own heart, and I would imagine, Lord, in the hearts of those that are here this morning, there are certain things that we feel are are off limits to you. Or that we have worked somehow extra hard and... And, and produce this thing on our own, and that it's ours. And Lord, that's not that's not the attitude or heart of, of somebody who is walking in full submission and obedience to you. There is nothing that we have that you have not given us. So I pray for your help this morning, for each one here that hears the sound of my voice this morning, God, that you would reveal to us that there are things in our lives and in our hearts that we are unwilling to lay down for you for your kingdom's expansion and your glory. So help us, Father. Help us to do all that you're calling us to do with boldness, with faithfulness, and with joy and satisfaction in knowing that we are walking in obedience to you and that your name is being lifted up. Thank you. We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen.